Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Rank Rats. Today is Thursday, May 13th, 2021, and welcome to the 13th episode of the Colorado Hockey Rankcast. Today, I'm joined by Colorado Hockey Now's Adrian Dater, and we discuss life on the road as a sports writer, the avalanche playoff chances, and much more. Let's check it out. Super honored to be joined by longtime Avalanche writer Adrian Dater, who's now with um, Colorado Hockey Now. Adrian, how about that game last night? Yeah, what game? <laughs> uh, it wasn't much of a game. No, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was a game. I think it was a uh, exercise in uh, a clinic. Uh, but yeah, good game for the Avalanche. Let's see if they can do it again tonight, right? Yeah, they need. They sure need to. Um, so, you know, I've been wondering all week, um, I've got this time with you, um, one of the best Avalanche writers um, of the franchise, and I've been wondering, what should I ask? Um, I've got this opportunity to, uh, to ask a guy who's usually asking the questions, um, some, uh, some interesting ones here, and um, I thought I'd break it down into a few segments. Um, I, I wanted to dig in on, into the sports writer life, um, then we'll touch into some <clears throat> Avalanche stuff and then some general questions. Is that cool? Sure. I think uh, most sports writers will tell you they, they love to be interviewed for some reason. I think they get tired of asking all the questions, so it's nice to answer a few once in a while. <laughs> yeah, and people, sports writers love to talk about themselves. They're very big egos, so I'm no exception, so fire away. <laughs> okay, great. Well, uh, in my hand, I'm actually holding a book um, called Saved by Wah, Patrick Wah and the Return of the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche, and um, I know that you wrote this some time ago with uh, Mr. Terry Fry. I had the opportunity of auditing some um, sports journalism classes with him at Metro State. He's a great guy, and um, you guys did really nice work here. Um, yeah. so in the book, uh, I know there's a lot of different anecdotes, a lot of different notes about your time um, covering the team, but something that really stood out to me was um, when you talked about some horror stories on the road about getting on the wrong train in New Jersey, um, ending up <laughs> not being able to find your car in the middle of the night, and um, you know, more recently, a couple uh, of years ago, yeah, with, with DNVR, I've, uh, I've been following you on Twitter, and I know you've had some um, really crazy times with Airbnbs and broken windows yeah. and uh, <laughs> um, some some crime <laughs> scenes going on. I know you were live tweeting that. So, 
all that being yeah. said, um, you know, what for all the aspiring sports writers out there, what type of person does it take to cover the beat of a professional sports team? And, and what stories kind of stand out to you, um, you know, of things on the road? Well, I hope this still applies to sports writers of the future. Um, my worry is that there won't be as much travel uh, by done by sports writers because, you know, A, there's not as many uh, newspapers that pay to travel anymore. B, um, I think the Zoom uh, thing in the pandemic has made people realize, that, well, we don't always need to be there, do we? We can uh, sort of cover the same, kind of sort of fool everybody and thinking we're there uh, just by doing Zoom calls. So, um, you know, it, uh, it, <clears throat> travel used to be a very big part of the job. Uh, I don't think it is as much anymore. Um, um, but since you asked, I mean, uh, it takes a, you know, it takes a person who, uh, um, I think has to be very flexible, patient, which I'm not, um, and be, uh, yeah, be ready for some stuff like that. Uh, you know, uh, it's not just a nine to five gig. There's nights when you're going to be on a train in New Jersey at 2 AM. Like I wasn't on the wrong train. Um, that train story was crazy. It was, um, the Super Bowl night when the Broncos lost to the Seahawks. I just happened to be in New Jersey when, uh, I think the Owls were playing a couple of days later against the Devils. So they had me join the coverage team. And, uh, I'll never forget getting on their train saying goodbye to Joe Sackett, who was there at the game as well. Big Seahawks fan, by the way, and, and uh, I know he'll be a little mad probably me saying that, but he was a happy man when they beat the Broncos. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I got a uh, – he was getting on his train, and I was getting on mine, and uh, I got on the wrong one. I ended up uh, – one of the worst parts of New Jersey about 1 a.m. Took a $100 Uber ride back to the parking lot that I was supposed to get on, the right train, because the train stopped running by then. And uh, then it turned out I was in the wrong parking lot. There's two huge sides to this place. The train station in New Jersey, Princeton, New Jersey, Princeton Junction. Never forget it. And, uh, yeah, I had a, also had a broken bag that I had to scrape along the tarp. Um, <laughs> tar. uh, so I'm, struck, I'm, I'm dragging this bag around, scraping up the cement. It's got a broken wheel. Um, and... There, there are two huge sides to the place. I didn't realize that. I thought it was only one side to the place. So I was searching. I was walking around for about an hour and a half and looking for my car. Couldn't find it. Finally, break down, call a cab, and uh, I'm getting ready to take a cab back to the hotel I was staying at. Uh, probably about 3.30 in the morning by this point, maybe 4. And um, as we were driving out, he must have gone a different lot out so i was just pressing my keys anyway just to think well maybe the keys of the car car will light up and sure enough the lights did and uh so i got out of the, i ended up being on the wrong side of the lot long story short i ended up giving that guy a 20 i think for about a two second ride um, and i was grateful to give it too uh went back to the hotel about 6 a.m 7 a.m finally got a little sleep <laughs> um yeah I also stayed in a meth house in Florida, I believe. I don't, I can't prove it, but I believe it was. Um, there was dangerous date rape drugs laying around the house at night with nobody in it. When I was looking around for somebody to let me into the bathroom, uh, the place turned out completely empty. Um, 
I ended up opening some doors out in the main part of the house and uh, opened up and all of a sudden there's a, a big man sleeping in the, in this weird room. I immediately shut the door. Um, basically I got the hell out of there right after that. Um, and my car was blocked in though, by the way. So I had to, and nobody in the house, the, the people who owned the house weren't there. Um, and I couldn't get a hold of them. So I ended up putting a basically an SOS plea out to the uh, public to somebody come get me. Some great abs fan who was a friend still to this day came and picked me up. And I stayed at their house that night. Wow. Um, <laughs> also, uh, had a place uh, in Edmonton where uh, a guy stole half my ambient supply, my sleeping pill supply. Uh, I ended up threatening him with the, going to the police unless he uh, did something about it. He ended up getting a midnight prescription refill um, for Lunesta, which is another sleep aid. Ambient's not legal in Canada. I think that's why the guy stole it. Um, the actual house host of my place stole the Ambient. I mean, he had to. I was only up for that out of the room for like an hour, uh, and they were gone when I came back. Uh, I said, "I'm going to the world." I said, "I'll go to the cops if, if you don't do it. That's a felony." Turned out the guy was a doctor too. Um, oh, and uh, uh, I said, "Well." After he filled it, I he gave me also 150 bucks in cash and a pay for a hotel night that man. I said, all right, I'm not going with cops now. Deal's a deal. But uh, um, yeah, fun times on the road. I uh, I've never had so much trouble until I started staying in Airbnbs and on my own traveling on my own. I definitely don't stay in the nice of places anymore now. That I work my own website. Uh, Denver Post used to afford some pretty nice hotels, but. Uh, um, so it's okay. I'm still here. Also, I almost got broken into, I think in LA a few months ago in Anaheim, uh, somebody pounded on my door at 7am. So, uh, and, uh, they wouldn't answer the door either when I answered and I looked out and I saw three people standing there. So I called 911. Other than that, it's a great life. <laughs> Sounds like some, uh, stories straight out of planes, trains, and automobiles. And, uh, yeah, some, oh, yeah. some, some other movies too. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> yep. So yeah, there's the the glamorous <laughs> side of it being in uh, uh in the stadium for those championship games and covering all of that, and then there's the um the meth houses. So <laughs> yep, um, I've had both. I've had both. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Well, over the years, you've gotten to know a lot of different people around the organization, um, a lot of different personalities. I'm sure um, of all different kinds, all over the spectrum. Um, who's your favorite? Um, personality to be around and, and how, how come and why? Um, <clears throat> well, um, just for sheer entertainment value and uh, loving to be providing good copy, I'd still say it's Patrick Waugh. Uh, he, uh, you know, he had a mystique to him. Uh, he was just, uh, you know, a legend, you know, uh, and I always thought that even from day one. I mean, I grew up back east watching hockey and Patrick Waugh was a god, you know, back in Montreal and, uh, you know, to, to cover eight years of his career and then, you know, three more as a coach was, was unbelievable. Uh, he, he didn't always like me. He definitely cursed me out a few times and, uh, you know, times I deserved it. Um, other times I didn't. And, you know, sometimes I'd come back at him too, believe it or not, you know, <laughs> but he's the kind of guy you have to do that with. Cause he, you know, he may not respect you if you don't stand up for yourself. So, um, uh, Patrick was, uh, just, uh, you know, magnetic 
personality in a way, you know, he, uh, he didn't always love being around people. He didn't sign many autographs. He didn't love, love all the spotlights at times, but, uh, you know, he's so, uh, so interesting and smart about hockey and, you know, so many good stories if he really wanted to sit down and tell you any, you know, and, uh, um, um, you know, so many great guys that covered, you know, uh, you know, off the top of my head, guys like, uh, you know, Mike Keane and Steve Connor-Walchuk and Sean Podine and, I mean, on and on and on and on I could go. But uh, I always remember Patrick as being sort of the most exciting to be around, for better or worse. Well, I, I know that those um, kind of confrontations that you've talked about where uh, some of the coaches or some of the players would say, yeah, I read your story and, you know, I didn't like it or whatnot. But now that the newspapers have kind of died out, um, are, are guys still going out and, and reading blogs? Are they are they getting into that stuff, of, you know, Googling their name and seeing what's out there, or is it different? No, I don't think they are. Um, maybe the uh, lesser-known guys still might do that, you know, because they probably don't get written about much at all when you think about it. Um, but, um, you know, the big stars don't care anymore. They make too much money. They uh, they don't subscribe to newspapers anymore. I don't think anybody actually subscribes to a print newspaper anymore uh, who's under, you know, 85. Um, it. <laughs> It's uh, totally different, I think. Uh, th- th- that said, though, players always hear about it when there's something negative written about them. Um, they'll usually say that a friend told them about it, that they didn't actually read it, uh, but a friend l- alerted them. That might be true most of the time, but uh, it's funny how they always seem to read it, though, when it's negative. Um, and they'll let you know very often. Not always, but... Uh, Again, though, I don't think they uh, they truly care that much uh, anymore, just based on the money and uh, just so much more media in a way with the blogs that, you know, it's overwhelming for them to probably know where even where to turn. Uh, I think most players still uh, know what, you know, um, the big Canadian writers are writing, though. Um, you know, they, everybody from Canada probably either checks out TSN or Sportsnet or what Bob McKenzie said or something. Uh, and they definitely watch TV when they, when they're on probably what, but uh, yeah, it's a different world. They, uh, they just don't need us as much anymore. You know, that's it. Right. Well, speaking of uh, comparing back then to now, you know, from your season, uh, first season covering the team, 1995, 96, and then versus now what's, what are the big differences between those locker rooms? I mean, I've, Obviously, it was okay at one time in the NBA for guys to be drinking cold beers and smoking cigarettes, and now it's just this health craze. But you know, when I, obviously COVID is is different. But you know, when you walked in the locker room a couple of years ago versus when you first did in in ninety five, ninety six, you know, what's what are the big differences of today? Yeah, it's it's a lot different. Um, you know, uh, players are more guarded. They're uh, they have <clears throat> they're sort of monitored more with what they're. What they're actually saying, usually there's a team PR person sort of hanging around, listening in what they're saying, which kind of curbs their, I think, uh, openness. Um, teams teams run their own websites now with their own information uh, putting out. So they, they want to control the message. You know, it's not going to surprise me if sports writers are banned from the locker room permanently in the next five to ten years. Um, and really when you examine – the teams and the message they're trying to, and the brand that they're trying to control, 
I don't know if I can blame him. Um, why allow sports writers in the, in the locker room who want to ask nosy questions and potentially disrupt everything for them? I don't know. Um, in that in that case, you know, I'm sort of glad that I'm on the back nine of my career and not starting out because uh, I definitely think it's going to be tougher for sports writers to get access, get good access. Uh, when I first started out, <clears throat> you'd ask for uh, a player and boom, they'd be, they'd be on the phone 10 minutes later. Um, when I asked to go to Patrick Waugh's house one time when he first got traded, the answer was yes. Go to his house. We used to run a weekly thing that was wildly popular that first year called At Home with the Avalanche. I think it was the second year, actually. And uh, with the, uh, I went to just about every player's uh, on the team's house and sat with them and talked and got pictures of their house and their families. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you they don't do that anymore in pro, uh, for, for for the media yeah, now. That's incredible. Uh, unless it's like a unless it's like a really you know special favorite or somebody maybe or maybe a TV person who gets a little access. But trust me, it's more about the brand that they're trying to push probably than just hey yeah go ahead go to Patrick Patrick will pick you up. I remember Patrick picked me up <laughs> once when I uh, when I was going do this thing he picks me up in his suv and i start riding with him as a passenger we went to circuit city the old electronic store and he bought about fifteen thousand dollars worth of stuff right in front of me <laughs> um went back to his house talked to his wife and kids little kids um crazy and uh i went to peter forsberg's place in uh, aurora that he used to live in called the breakers a lot of play, a lot of players lived in that apartment complex, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, hell, you know, I've been out a few times with players on the road. I won't get too specific on that one, but uh, been out on the road with them in various establishments, <laughs> and uh, you know, it just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, players are too uh, walled off from the media by the teams themselves because they don't want anything. Uh, they want to control that message. So that's the difference. Uh, you used to be able to sit down and just really just hang out with players by their locker a lot. And they'd be really accommodating and like the press attention. Now it's like, all right, here's five minutes with Kale McCarr, you know, get your questions in now. And then he's gone. And it's like, thank you, Kale. Off they go back to the room and the behind the curtain. Uh, so it's, it's a lot different. So who had the coolest crib? Oh, well, the coolest crib I've ever been in is Joe Stackett's house. Um, it's a freaking nice place. Um, I wrote a story about it when he retired. Uh, he's got an unbelievable trophy room, uh, unbelievable jersey room with every jersey in the league signed by players like Gretzky, everybody. Uh, it's all on a dry cleaner rack. So you push a button and all the jerseys go around and around. Wow. It's incredible. Um, he's got a big cigar room back there too. A humidor. It's awesome. Uh, incredible taste. His wife, Debbie's an incredible interior decorator. And she's a great woman too. I consider her a friend. And, uh, so Joe, yeah, Joe's place is unbelievable. I was just blown away. Like, Oh my God. And, you know, this is, this is really luxurious here. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Wild house was nice too, but it was, uh, I think he moved into a lot nicer house after that, and I never got into that second one. But uh, um, I'm sure that was pretty swanky too. 
Uh, Peter Forsberg had a really nice downtown crib. I think he may still own it. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he does downtown in Lodo. Um, pretty nice place. A lot of Swedish architecture. Uh, so, uh, and not Ikea, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I imagine a lot of those <laughs> yeah, guys, more... I imagine a lot of those guys come back to Denver and they're like, what the hell is this place? There's been so many uh, yeah. new buildings going up and yeah. the difference in the last 20 yeah. years is it's incredible. Yeah. No question. Yep. I know. But yeah, those are some of the highlights uh, on my home visits uh, over the years. It's uh, it was fun. I haven't been in a player's house in a long time, though. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into some of these juicy avalanche questions. I know everyone's uh, dying to hear about. Um, last night, they polished off the Kings six to zero. Um, not really a contest like you mentioned. And tonight, um, they've got one more game left in the season. They can lock up the Presence Trophy, home ice throughout the playoffs. So I want to start with a question that's kind of on my mind and it has to do with the abs getting out of the second round. Um, knock on wood. If the abs can't, can't get out of the second round, are we going to start looking at Jared Bednar um, and, you know, his and his body of work and what he can do? And will, will he be on the hot seat if they can't get out of that second round? Well, it's a good question. Uh, I hope not. He's a, really great guy and I've loved, loved covering him. You know, he's uh, been just so good and honest and um, superb guy, you know, so from that standpoint, I hope not, but uh, this is a tough business. Um, if, if they do lose uh, in one of the first two rounds, I think it's going to all be continued again on what, why did they lose? Was it because they didn't have McKinnon and, other guys did they all get hurt again um you know what was the real reason did some guy just totally rob them you know mark andre Fleury make 80 saves a game um if they lose in the first round i you know i do think there will be some heat on him i don't think he's going to be fired either way um but if they lose in the first round and maybe the second He's going to go probably in the next year a little bit shorter leash. Most coaches do. Um, and there's no guarantee he comes back either. I mean, you know, I've seen coaches fired when I had no clue they would be fired, like Bob Hartley. His, all he did his first four years as a coach was go to three Western Conference finals and win one Stanley Cup. And in his fifth year, he had a winning record at the time, and he gets fired. <laughs> uh, I was stunned um didn't see that coming at all um you know um and um geez who replaced him again uh it was tony granado right uh no i I can't even get my own history right um uh yeah tony granado uh and um let me double (laughs) yeah yeah wasn't it (laughs) you help me out here kid (laughs) i gotta get back to my (laughs) look it up I thought it was. God, I swear I'm getting old. Um, yeah, I think it was Granado. But, uh, you know. Yeah, it's Granado. Five. So, yeah, right. In the uh, 2 3 season, I believe. Um, and I thought, you know, geez, what else you got to do, man? You know, you want to stay in cut a year before and then he gets fired. Uh, so anything can happen. That's, that's the answer. Uh, but, uh, let me, uh, oh, that's your phone. Yeah. No worries. 
Um, um, listen, if they lose, like, shockingly to, you know, St. Louis in four straight or something in the first round, then uh, then maybe uh, all bets are off. Uh, but, you know, if, 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 again, they lose because injuries, then, I you know, I, I think, you know, they're going to say, all right, Jared, you know, come back next year. Let's see what we do. Um, you know, Bednar has a chance to win a President's Trophy this tonight as a coach with a team that had a lot of injuries, um, a lot of COVID stuff, and, and uh, you know, winning the President's Trophy, it, it only one coach can do that. And if Bednar does that tonight, I, I mean, I think that will go a long way to, to having him back. Uh, I don't think Joe Sackick is really at all the type to um, make hair trigger decisions like that. Pierre Lacroix used to do that more, but uh, um, I think there's a really good relationship. That said, you know, what, this is his fifth, uh, this will be uh, his fifth year, sixth year. Either way, it's uh, it's been a while. I mean, he's been around now for a few years, and uh, unfortunately for coaches, the, uh, the lifespan usually doesn't last more than five to eight years at best. So, there is some pressure on him, but there's always pressure on everybody in this league. And uh, I know Bednar knows that. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's all, you know, that's just life in the pro hockey. Yeah. He's been uh, the head coach since 2016. And I didn't expect, I thought he was going to be a filler guy, to be honest. I thought Jim Montgomery may, yeah. have, may have gotten it. I thought Bednar was just going to come in. I know he was uh, successful yeah, with, with the AHL, with the Cleveland Monsters. And I was like, okay, well, this is kind of right. just like a tryout filler type of deal. Lake Erie, Lake Erie Monsters. Yep. Lake Erie, Don't forget yeah. the Lake Erie. Yeah, yeah. Right, Lake Erie Monsters. They, I don't want to start change them. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, you, talk, <laughs> you talked about Joe Sackick. Yeah. Um, really interesting. You know, he's the other piece to um, what's being put on the ice. And his thing has always been, um, at least for the last several years, playing the long game, right? Um, he knows that if he can get a yep. crack at one of the top 30 players in every draft class, he knows he can try to at least develop these guys, get them to the NHL, and manage the salary cap efficiently. And you got to love that. There's so many um, GMs in the league who have to win now. There's so much pressure. And he says, you know what, I'm, I'm trying to make every decision for the big picture. And, and that's great. But I feel like the the Avalanche have this window of win now, just like the Blackhawks had and the Kings and uh, the Bruins. And everybody knows that, all right, you've got this short period of time where you can win it all. And most of these teams um, who are contenders make huge splashes at the deadline. They get a, I don't want to say Taylor Hall, but a big player at the deadline. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And I'm just wondering, in your opinion, is Sackick being too conservative with his first-round picks? Should he be going all-in? Um, in the years, especially with Nathan McKinnon on such a conservative contract? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think, uh, first of all, I, I think they tried to get Taylor Hall uh, last year and over the summer. Um, somehow they didn't work it out. I, uh, I was surprised over that. I really thought they were going to get Taylor Hall. Um, but but it didn't happen. And they, uh, they went off to make the trade after that for Brandon Saad. And uh, I thought that was a good, good alternative, actually. Um, but uh, I don't think so. I, I think the jury's still out on his uh, trade deadline pickups this year, obviously. Uh, Carl Soderberg has already been a healthy scratch and hasn't done a whole lot since he's come here. So that's, you know, that's going to be 
something that that uh, to be determined. Same with Patrick Nemeth, and same with Devin Dubnik too. I mean, uh, Dubnik uh, what won his first two games, but he uh, you know he lost the next one, and then he gets COVID. So you know, it's like, oh, I mean, really? After they got vaccinated too. Um, so <laughs> now they have to start uh, Jonas Johansson tonight in the game for all the marbles uh, in the regular season title. Do you have a problem um, with that? I'm a little sh- Are you shocked by that. that? But yeah. What's that? Are you supportive of that? I, I almost would uh, start, no, start group out. I'm not. Again. I've been hurt a lot. No, yeah. I'm shocked by it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, people who listen in on those post-game Zoom calls might have heard me last night say, Jared, did I mishear you? But are you really going to start JoJo tomorrow? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I said, really? Because you got the President's Cup on the line, President's Trophy on the line, the home ice? And no, he's like, well, we, we haven't played Groovy back-to-back all year. We're not going to start now. And we're not going to risk injury. I'm like, okay. Um, I don't like it. But that could all be just – look like a genius three, four hours from now. Um, um, I just, I don't quite get it. I don't know why Grubauer can't play another game tonight. I mean, is he really that fragile? Uh, yeah, of course he can get hurt, but look, I mean, let's face it, the odds are low that that would happen. Goalies don't typically hurt themselves as much in games. Um, I don't want to jinx that because Gruby did get hurt last year in the playoffs. Right. But, uh, 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 yeah, so let's just say I was mildly to moderately to severely shocked last night uh, when I heard that. And I'm very interested to see how, how it works but, uh, tonight. But, uh, um, you know, again, uh, I don't know. I think uh, Sackett, it uh, you know, makes sense on paper what he did, but so far it hasn't quite worked out. I don't think as much as anybody would hope, especially with Soderberg. Um you know, but maybe, uh, you know, once Saad comes back, hopefully for game one and Mac, you know, um, it's not going to matter so much about what guys like Soderbergh do. It's it's more about, you know, what the top guys do and the goalies. So, um, you know, a lot riding on tonight's game, though. I swear if they lose the game because they started a backup goalie, um, fair or not, Dudner's going to open himself up to a lot of second guessing. He uh, he had a lot of guts to do that tonight, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I wasn't really sure, um, you know, what to think, but uh, I guess we'll see. Um, I did want to address kind yeah. of a, an elephant in the room this season. Um, Gabe Landeskog, UFA at the end of this season, not signed an extension yet. I guess there's been talks about um, getting him signed as, as the team's captain moving forward. I think he's 27 going on 28. Um, he's done a lot for the team, a lot of respect, obviously team captain. Um, but looking forward, there are a lot of guys to sign. You got to get Kale McCarr on the books um, and, you know, whatever rookies and um, McKinnon's got to be signed again. So I know that they, they want to say, yes, we want to sign him, but is there a, an inkling where he doesn't get signed? Yeah. You know, I don't think it's, you know, 100%. Um, I think that's 99%. But, you know, there are chances that they'll uh, – something go wrong. It's happened before here. I, I don't think it will. I think I think we can look forward to something like a, uh, a five-year, $40 million deal, something like that, uh, $8 million a year. I think that would be fair. You know, Renton makes nine two five. 
maybe he'd take a little bit of a hometown discount, but he's already kind of done that before, so I don't think he's going to do too much of a hometown discount. That's where things could get a little dicey. If the if the Avs ask him for too much of a hometown discount, he may say, you know, screw you, I I got the numbers to. I mean, he's got eight twenty goal seasons in his first ten years in the league. Um, pretty good. Three more, and he'll tie the all time franchise record, Sackett and Payduke. So um, he's uh, you know he's twenty eight, twenty nine though now. So you know he's not as quick as he used to be. So the Avs would come back and say, look, you know, we're we're not gonna we can't give you a ten million a year kid. Um, you're, you're getting a little slower, but that said, you know, he's got 20 goals this year on all the numbers. So yeah, he's going to get paid, uh, good numbers. I think he'll, uh, take it too. I think he's, he's done, uh, you know, pretty well for himself in life. And, uh, uh, but this is, could be his last contract. So, you know, he's, you can't shortchange yourself and Sackett knows, you know, you see, Sackett can't be judgmental about that at all because he never shortchanged himself at the, ca- at the cashier window either with his contract. So um, so he has to respect that, and I, I expect that it'll get done. I mean, they don't want to let him go for nothing. That That's about to be terrible. For sure. That's kind of bridging into my next question. I know um, a lot of agents and, and players try to time out um, when they get their, their contracts, and with the transition from NBC Sports to the new ESPN-Turner deal, um, that was that was announced. You know, what does that mean for hockey? Obviously, they got a, a great deal. I think it almost doubled um, their revenues there for the TV deal. What does that mean for the cap? Obviously, that goes up. Player contracts. Do you do you expect this whole thing to to blow up like NBA style or what? No, I, it's still going to be smaller potatoes. But uh, and I don't think the cap even goes up next year at all. I think it's after that this next year. It's going to be a flat cap this year. Uh, so that's going to make it harder for Avs to sign the guys for sure. Uh, they're going to have to let somebody go who's you know good player, not only expansion draft, but maybe maybe in a trade for create some cap room to sign Makar, Landy, McKinnon in two more years, I believe. So um, yeah, I, it's still a great deal though for the NHL. I think it's good that they're back with ESPN and TNT. I think TNT was a shocker to everybody, and uh, I think that's good. Um, hopefully Charles Barkley can do some guest commentary on the little panel. That would be awesome. Um, it would, right? Um, so, um, and I think the NHL gets it a little more with marketing than they used to. You know, they were on HPM for many years, and the ratings sucked. So I don't, I don't think anybody. Everybody says, "Well, ESPN is going to be the salvation." Well, why wasn't it before? Um, I think a lot of it though had to do with the product back then. It was a lesser product. Um, low scoring games, hooking and holding, you know, um, I think it'll be better this time around. It has a better, uh, feel to younger kids today. I think hockey and, uh, I, I just think it's good. I mean, I think NBC did a, a yeoman's job with the NHL when they had it. Um, it seemed like they were <clears throat> just a little bit behind the times though. With some things, you know, their website's not very good. Their streaming is iffy. You know, ESPN's gotten more into the streaming world. So uh, I think it's going to be good. I think uh, definitely going to increase the cap after next year, though. And uh, um, uh, But, again, though, I think it's uh, it just looks better on paper that they're sort of back with ESPN. Uh, and it, I think ESPN is getting some of the groove back after a few bad years of the company. Um, it seems like, anyway, I still think they would. You know, they talk way too much NBA on that 
channel, but I mean, I don't understand why the NBA gets talked about so much on the channel when the ratings are terrible for games. I mean, they're 50% off from they used to be, maybe more. Um, so I don't get it, but that's, that's an old saw that I keep grinding. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, I, I know, especially this year, it's been really down, but, um, well, I got a couple more, yeah. questions. I got a couple more questions for you. Um, I don't want to keep you. I know there's a big game tonight, but, um, I did want to ask you about somebody in particular, you know, we've, there's been a lot of great avalanche beat writers, um, in the last handful of years. And one of them was Ryan Clark, who, um, wrote a lot of great stories for the athletic ended up moving on to the Seattle Kraken. Um, one of the newer writers to the scene has been, uh, your peer, Scott McDonald. Um, I guess yep. I just wanted to see if you could talk about his development as a, a young sports journalist and why he was a, a good fit for you to partner with. Um, yeah, I thought he had some talent. Uh, I noticed his stories and I uh, reached out to him to see if he'd be interested in joining my site. Um, said I couldn't pay a fortune, but, uh, I said, uh, you know, hopefully I can be, uh, you know, uh, hopefully a better platform than he was on. And, uh, I think it's happened. I think he's, uh, fitting great. He's, uh, you know, he's a young kid out of CU who with journalism degrees and, um, he's got some talent writing. I think that's what I look for the most. Um, you know, it's, uh, definitely, uh, you know, I've had a lot of good journalists over the years covering the asthma, <laughs> um, leaving myself completely out of it. Uh, you know, Ryan Clark is real good here. Um, um, and, uh, um, if you go back even way further, there's been some guys who started out on the Avalanche beat that went on to much bigger things, uh, <laughs> kind of makes me a little jealous and, uh, in, uh, insecure, maybe not really, but, I don't, but I'm just saying the guy named Lee Jenkins, who went on to sports illustrated works for the Clippers front office now. Um, he started out as an avalanche beat writer for the Colorado Gazette. A uh, guy named John Branch used to cover the abs also for the Colorado Gazette Springs. Um, all he's done is when I think two Pulitzers, I think maybe it's only one, but yeah, only one Pulitzer Prize, right? Right. <laughs> uh, for the New York Times. So, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we've had some great writers, you know, Rick Sadowski still covering the abs for NHL.com, Rocky Mountain News for 20 years, and a uh, great guy, you know, so uh, you know, Terry Fry covered the abs, uh, brilliant writer, um, you know, guys, I worked with guys like Woody Page and Mark Kisla, and, you know, talking about the top of the top here, um, you know, and love them or hate them, you know, columnists, but uh, they're good writers, and, uh, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's kept me on my toes and, uh, trust me when I say that, uh, you know, some of the worst years I had as a beat writer were, were when there was sort of, I was the only game in town, uh, when the Rocky Mountain news went out of business in 2009 to like 2014. Um, those are some of my worst years. Cause I, uh, I didn't feel like I had any competition and then I, you know, I tried to be, I, I don't think I've ever been lazy covering the team, but I probably subconsciously thought it was not as, you know, important if I got a story in right away, I'll say, because I'm like, well, who else is going to have it, you know? So maybe I could wait an hour or something. You know, those little things can rub off on you in, in bad ways. Uh, um, you know, and it was just a bad period for me anyway back then. I uh, had some other problems, just too many years probably on the road. Um, 
you know, got got wrapped up in, you know, uh, too much leak deprivation, some pills and alcohol, all kinds of things to try to just get through the night. Uh, and that, that's something else I would caution anybody who does this job is, you know, take care of yourself. Uh, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't drink too much. Uh, don't, 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 don't get in too many bad habits as, as I did. Um, you know, fortunately I got some help and got over that, but, uh, um, you know, I think most sports writers will tell you that they've had problems with that. And, uh, um, it, uh, can manifest itself in many different ways, but, uh, um, you know, overall it's been a blessing. I've been totally blessed to cover the team for 26 years. It's been an honor to cover the team for the readers that I've had. Uh, and I'm still doing it. You know, the website's going good. I've got, you know, into the thousands of paying subscribers and, uh, you know, uh, just uh, trying to, just like I, I, I sort of view myself now as kind of like a f- small farmer. You know, I've just got my little plot of land that I'm trying to cultivate, get some crops. Hopefully the weather's pretty good. And I get a pretty good price for my uh, my wares. And, uh, you know, I go back into my my little farmhouse and, uh, you know, put a little wood in the wood stove and maybe uh, some meat on the stove, cook it up and uh, you know, get to the next day. That's good enough for me at this stage. Really good. That's a pretty cool way of looking at things, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. It um, took a while to look at life like that, but because uh, I had a huge ego as a writer and I had to be the best and I had to be this, this, that, and you know, I wanted to work at Sports Illustrated and all that stuff. And I did for a brief time, which, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, their whole business model collapsed right when I was like rising in the ranks at Sports Illustrated, um, which sucked and contributed a little bit to my downfall a little bit around 2013, 14. Yeah. But I worked for Bleach Report after that. And I don't know. It's been a great career. I never would have thought it possible. And yet I also kind of thought it would happen too. I, I can't explain it, but um, I, I had no confidence as a kid. And yet I also had a lot of confidence. Uh, I don't know. It depended on the day, uh, but uh, I've always been very comfortable just sitting and writing. That's always, I've never been nervous doing it. Uh, and that's even on deadline when you've got, you know, literally five minutes to get a story done sometimes on the West Coast deadline. Uh, say the Avs are playing the Sharks in a playoff overtime game, which I've covered. You've got 10 minutes to get that story in, period. Um, I never I never got nervous with that stuff. Uh, I could type fast and it just, just it just, you know, it just um, came easy to me. Way. So that's the only thing I've ever done well in my life, period, from start to finish of sort of writing. Uh, I wish I could be better. I wish I could be a rich Hollywood screenwriter or something in, in a huge mansion, but it hasn't happened yet. So I just got to keep saying that I'm happy with what I've done, I guess. Hey, it's, uh, I think you've had an awesome career, and um, I'm really enjoying all the stuff that you and Scott are putting out today. So really appreciate all of that. And, um, you know, we're big fans over at the rink. So, um, I got one more question for you, but before that, I just wanted to get to all of your plugs. Um, you know, you can follow Adrian at, on Twitter at a dater. Um, he writes for bookies.com. Um, he's an insider for one Oh four, three, the fan on the radio and writes for Colorado hockey. Now, anything that I miss Adrian? Um, no, I think that does it. I, uh, I do have a sponsor. I'd love to plug, uh, the, Colorado Superbook. If you're into betting at all, uh, check out the Superbook. They've got some great deals. So that'll, that'll be it. That's, that, I work for them, sort of. No, um, I 
listen, uh, gambling, betting, um, you can't stop it now. I, I probably grew up thinking gambling was wrong, but um, listen, if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> it's it's going to take over the sports. I would counsel a lot of young media people who want to get in the business now. Uh, not only learn how to write well and broadcast maybe, but maybe learn how to read the betting lines too and pick a game right because trust me when I say that all the money right now in sports media is going to gambling sites and people who can cater to the betting crowd. Um, uh, just the hard fact of the matter. Uh, so study those lines and learn how to read a, a minus 155 from a plus 155. Know what that means. Um, seriously, I would say that to every young person listening. Yeah, I wish I had more luck with uh, with the Lions when <laughs> when I put some big money on the Oilers to beat the Blackhawks last year in a qualifying round. Oh, I get burned pretty good. Oh, I was there in Edmonton for that series too. Yeah, that was a shocker. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, sorry, bud. Yeah, well, sorry, man. My uh, my last big burner question um, before I let you go is: uh, What's your prediction for the Avs this year for the playoffs? Oh boy. Um, uh, well, I think Vegas is going to win, honestly. Um, I think they're bigger, and they have better goaltending, and they'll probably be healthier. If the Avs can just stay damn healthy, I think they're the better team, but they're never healthy. So, to me, it's always a factor. And I, I covered that game in Vegas the other night. I was there for uh, that game. and I, You know, you probably may have seen it too, but uh, it, it really felt like, the Az are really outclassed in that game. They just they got lucky. They got a lucky win. Um, that that doesn't happen very often in two two or three times in a row. Um, I just hope that the Abs can somehow just get a little bit more of an underdog feeling to them and not the favorite type of feeling. If that makes any sense, I never feel like the Abs are. Uh, I always feel like when the Avs are the favorites and they've got good press and they won some, let's say they win the President's Trophy, everybody's going to say, oh, the Avs are you know, the best team in the league. I don't think the Avs are a better team when they feel like they're the favorites. I feel like they're the better team when they're underdogs and scrapping. Um, and I hope that's how they can go into these series feeling like an underdog because every time it seems like they get a, you know, a little prosperity or feeling real good about themselves, something bad happens. So, um, that's that's my prescription for them. Um, trust me when I say, you know, if I pick the uh, the Golden Knights, that's probably a good thing for the Abs. Um, so, um, but I'm nervous about whoever they play in the first round too. I mean, the Wild or the Blues. I mean, <laughs> um, do you want to play Jordan Bennington in a first round series and what they've got nothing to lose and playing with house money? I don't. You know, I feel like it's going to be a rough series and tough. And, I'm a worry wart though. I think that's good for the Avs fans, and I'm kind of worried and really on their, you know, I'm on their bandwagon, man. I want them to win. You know, I've admitted this. I want the Avs to win. I want them to succeed. I'm cheering like a bastard for them privately up in the press box, seriously. Uh, and I'm pulling every jinx I can do to help them win. I'll bet on the other team if I need to, just to jinx them. I mean, I, you know, I'll do it. You know, I, I'm doing my best, guys. I'm trying to get us a third cup. I've got two already in my career. I want number three. <laughs> All right, well, on that note, thanks again, Adrian. This has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate your time. Okay, man. Good to be with you. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks again. Bye.
Thank you for downloading and supporting us. You can follow Adrian on Twitter at ADater, and you can find all of his work on coloradohockeynow.com. A very special thanks to our sponsors, Puck Hockey. With the promo code THERINK, you can save 10% on all purchases at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. And until next episode, see you on the rink. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.